0: Amen. Hey, one more time, would you stand with me as we read the word of God here this morning and just prepare our hearts? Come on, will we allow, allow the word of God to be a plow upon our hearts this morning? Amen? Amen. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, as Pastor Darrell's just preparing for the, for, for the, to preach the gospel says that Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers unto the harvest. Before you see it, can you just take a moment and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you, that we pray, Lord, that you send the Lord of the harvest amongst us in Jesus' name. When everybody said, Amen. Can we give Pastor Daryl just welcome him to the platform this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Daryl, give him heaven, man. Just give him heaven. Amen. 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 Wonderful. So
1: good to see you this morning.
0: I think we had a
1: uh, a wonderful time in the Lord the first service. I'm looking forward to this right here. Before I get started, I think I'll do a little bit of, uh, or say a few things, uh, some of the same things I said in the first service. Uh, I think it's, it's just for me personally, but uh, I, uh, my wife and I, uh, the time is just fly so fast, right? And so here we are. I think we've, been here uh, as members here for maybe for a year, maybe a little over a year, maybe that, but time has gone by so fast, and you don't get to shake every hand and hug every person and, uh, and get to know everyone, and then, you know, you, you found out, oh, 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 I'm on, you know, get to come on on staff and work here and, and, and work within our community and do some things, and and it just life keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and I just wanted to pause and uh, really just uh, thank this body of believers of uh, how much you've been a blessing uh, to my family and I. You know, when I got here, I won't speak for my wife. When I got here, uh, my, um, I had some embers, right? We'd gone through a lot of stuff. And, and, you know, many talk about how bad 2020 has been, and rightfully so. Some have lost family members and friends to COVID-19. Many people have, you know, uh, lost employment, uh, so on and so forth. And so there is definitely a reason to say, hey, 2020 has been rough. That hasn't been my experience. Mine was probably between 2017 to about uh, 2019. That was that rough portion for me. Me and my wife was just talking a couple of days ago that 2020 has been a blessing for us. Um, and, and I want to remind you this morning is that we're the church. I'm talking to the church this morning. We're going to let the world be the world. And the world can talk about how bad things are, but we will not rob God of his glory. Amen? And so we will continue to give God his glory, and we shall continue to proclaim all the things, all the good things that the Lord is doing in, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship. Do not agree with the world, but tell the world what the Lord is doing for you. Can I tell you, in 2020, I got a church family. I received the church family. We were, we, were, we were walking homeless Christians for almost three years. And we stumbled on this place. We didn't come here because, well, let's check out First Assembly. It was like, well, we checked out everywhere else. This First Assembly is close to the house. Let's try that out. That's how we got here. And the Lord blew our mind when we came through the door. The worship, we came in. Yeah, amen. We came in. And, 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 and the worship team was going. I looked at Sarah. I said, oh, my goodness. Okay. Dr. Lynn gets up and starts prophesying. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Okay. I think probably Sister Teresa you probably got, was praying in tongues and prophesying from your seat. And I looked at Sarah. I was like, my God, these people are spirit-filled in here. Pastor Joe gives up and gets the word. And I was just like, I'm sealed in the blood of Jesus. I'm coming here. And so this place has become... You have become our family. You are our family, and we, the road was long for us. and We had been through some hard things, and when we got here, and I'll speak for myself, when I got here, I had flickering embers, and I never, you know, coming up here and being able to preach and do the things that uh, uh, the Lord has allowed Pastor Joe to allow me to do, I had laid that down. I had moved on. I didn't think that, th- I thought this part, portion of my life, this chapter, was closed. But the Lord had other plans. And so when I got here, not only did Pastor Joe and Shannon begin to blow on our embers, you as a church, whether you've met me, whether you have shook my hand or hugged me, you are a part of this body. And this body is responsible for blowing on my flickering embers. And that thing that was flickering became a flame. And so when you see, when I get an opportunity to come up here and open up service and and, and things like that, I want you to know that only by the grace of God and him using his people that have blown the wind of the Holy Spirit in my cells that I'm able to do that. So I personally want to say, thank you. Thank you. Can you just give yourself a hand clap of praise? Come on. I want to thank you. Can we give God an even greater hand clap of praise? Praise God. Praise God. This morning, we're going to be exposing Matthew chapter 9, verse, thank you, verses 35 through 38. We're going to expose this passage of Scripture because what's important for us in this season is to know what our assignment is. You need to know your assignment. Thank you. Again, to, the, to those who uh, serve and who have uh, served in a military, you know good and well what, is, what it means to know and having an assignment. And we are in the army of the Lord. And we are not walking blind and aimless, just thanking the Lord and saying hallelujah and coming to church and going home, coming to church and listening to our favorite pastor, preacher, prophet, on TV or the internet, we have an assignment. We're not without some duties. And so my aim, my goal is that when you leave here today, that you know good and well what you should be doing right now. In order for us to understand and get some context for uh, Matthew 9, 35 through 38, I want to walk us down uh, memory lane a little bit. And uh, like I told the first service, uh, y'all be talking bad about 2020. And y'all celebrated it when it came in, though. I'm, I'm talking about y'all. <laughs> Just 11 months ago, the clock struck midnight, right? And like most years, what did we do? We celebrated. Y'all pop, I'm not going to say it like I'm talking, to, I'm talking to y'all. Y'all celebrated. Y'all pop fireworks. Y'all was barbecuing. Y'all was doing all that celebrating about 2020, right? Some of us watched the ball. We, we, we were watching TV. We watched the ball drop from somewhere. If y'all, like, like you know, some people, they can be out, but they want to do fireworks. My son don't like fireworks, so a lot of times I'm at, we at home, we won't watch it at home. We're going to hang out at the house. So we watched the ball drop. We, uh, you know, we celebrated the new year coming in. That was on a Wednesday, by Sunday, our favorite preacher, pastor, prophet, televangelist, was ministering about the year 2020 and how it's going to be the year of clarity, the year of clear vision, and you want to know your direction, so on and so forth. And I agree with Pastor Joe. He said it this morning. We got some clear vision all right when it came to 2020. It shifted, shifted us and shook us and it has done a, a tremendous amount. That was the Sunday. 26 days later, famed basketball player Kobe Bryant and his daughter and a host of others would die in a horrific accident, shaking the world and in some ways uniting it because why sympathy tends to do that. In the same month, I'm just walking us down. This is what happened to us, right? We, we all walked through this and you can add to this uh, your experiences, but in the same month, the first confirmed case of COVID-19 was reported to the CDC, thrusting our country into an unknown way of life. And by March 11th, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 as a pandemic. Social distancing, mass people dying alone in hospitals and nursing homes without family by their side. Funerals, limited to 10 people. I see that personally as a hospice chaplain. People wanting to have funerals, having family to be there and support, but having to limit to that. And and the 10 people, that's part of the funeral home and the pastor. So it's really maybe eight people, seven people. Restaurants at limited capacity. Movie theaters shut down. Air travel restrictions. Schools We're being closed. Churches closed. And we spent much of the year prosecuting and defending police officers from our telephone, all the while sitting on our sofas, thrusted in the middle of a back and forth of whose life matters the most. That's evil. Looting, evil. Riots. Evil. Cities burning. Evil. And all this is happening while the country looks on at one of the most grueling and vicious presidential elections to date. People coming out in droves to vote early as the tension mounts. And then we spend this week being thrusted back and forth. Wondering whether fraudulent practices have taken place or not. And I'm not here to say whether they are or not, but we've been thrusted into the middle of that, waiting and seeing who would be the next president of the United States for the next four years. And some believe that the soul of our nation is at stake, but it's important that we know this as the church. And I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to us as the church. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says that there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. It's important for us to remember who we are and whose we are in this time that we're going through. Can I tell you today that if, if, if the Bible, the roadmap that we have, the the, the the sacred text, the holy text, the holy scriptures that we call the Bible, if it says that there's nothing new under the sun, then guess what? There's nothing new under the the son. And we keep saying, God got it under control. Well, we start saying that after we realize our candidate wasn't going to (laughs) win. God is in control, and God is this, and God, well, he was that before you found out that. He was that before a decision was made. He was that before it was looking bleak for you. He was always in control, and he told us from the beginning, there is nothing new, son. There is nothing new, daughter. There is nothing new under the sun. And whether we like it or not, you and I have been thrusted into a cultural battle. And you've engaged in it. I've engaged in it. And if we're not careful, we'll do just as the enemy wants us to do. Now, let me clarify who the enemy is. It is not your neighbor who doesn't agree with you. The Bible says that we wrestle, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but spirits and principalities in high places. If you're not careful, you'll help hate people that, will lean, that, that, that their ideology leans to the left. If you're not careful, you will hate people whose ideology leans to the right. And I want to tell you this morning, church, not the world, church, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. The battle that is greater than the cultural battle is the spiritual battle that's impacting the cultural battle. If you did not know, save man, save woman of God. If you did not know, the day that you answered the call to follow Jesus as your personal savior, you were enlisted into a battle. You were viewed as an enemy of war. Whether you like it or not, that's how your enemy views you. Well, Lord, I just got saved today. I'm on this day one. You're in a battle. You're in a battle. And whether you've been saved for, for for 30 minutes or for 30 years, you have been enlisted into a war. The battle that's greater than a cultural battle is a spiritual battle that's impacting a cultural battle. And today, God is asking us, the church, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Now, let's look at the text. Now, our foundational text is Matthew 9, but in order for us um, to understand this, we need to rewind a little bit. This is when we get into this portion of Scripture, we see Jesus And he's coming out of the wilderness. He's been fasting for 40 days and nights and tempted by Satan to surrender his authority. And then we see Jesus continues to declare to Satan that it is written, right? I can stop and preach that right there. Jesus does not converse with the enemy. Jesus does not go back and forth with the enemy. Jesus does not argue with the enemy. Jesus does not play with the enemy. He declares his word and he says, it is written, church. People of God, do not converse with the demons that want to kill you. Do not do that, but declare the word of the Lord. What word has God given you? What word has God given you that trumps what, God, what, what the enemy is saying? We do not converse with demons. We give them God's word. And at the name of Jesus, every knee, every demon in hell, every demonic spirit and every demonic assignment shall bow. It shall bow. It is written. That's right, brother. And now we see Jesus is in full gold mode. We rewind back to Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 and 25. It says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from, the, from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. That's chapter 4, 24 through 25. Then we see Jesus Preaching for three chapters, known as what, the Sermon on the Mount. He not only preaches, then he goes into his healing ministry. So we not only see Jesus preach, but then he puts the action behind it. He begins to cleanse. He he cleanses the leper, he heals the centurion servant, he calms a storm, he heals two demon possessed men at the tombs. Jesus heals a paralytic, and in the middle of healing, he has time to call somebody to come and follow him. He calls Matthew to follow him, and then he answers a question about fasting. Then he goes back into his healing ministry. He heals and restores a girl to life. He heals two blind men and a man unable to speak. That's Matthew chapter 4, I mean, and and now, and then we enter into Matthew 4. So all this happens, and then it says, so his fame spread." His, sp- his fame spread throughout all of Syria. Why? Because he was healing the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. His fame spread. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. Now we fast forward. Matthew 9:35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. What do we see, people? What do we see, church? We see our example. We see Jesus, the example, laboring and working. Where? In the harvest, our harvest fields. Why? Because it's plentiful. We see Jesus, our examples. How many times have we said a or heard somebody say, I just want to be like Jesus. When we find Jesus in Matthew 9, he's working. He's laboring in a harvest field that he says is plentiful. In a harvest field that he says, there's few workers where I'm working at. He's laboring. We see an example. We see Jesus in the middle of his ministry. Today, I want to remind us that while we've been thrusted into an evil and politicized battle for the ideology of a country, our way, your way, my way, God's way is different. His way is different. Why or how? Our way is different because of this. We preach Jesus and him crucified for the sins of America. No, for the sins of the world. We preach Jesus. We don't preach political parties. We don't preach left and right ideas. We preach Jesus and him crucified. We preach his standard. We heal the sick in his name. We are prepared to defend our faith in the public square. We call the lost to follow Jesus as we follow Jesus. And we spread his fame. How do we, or where do we spread his fame? In Yumsville, in Broussard, in Milton, in Crowley, in Rain, in wherever you live and wherever you go, we spread his fame. And when we don't do that, when we instead be glued to our television or glued to uh, our social media platforms, it causes us to what? We sit on the couch, cry and complain. All the while, there's 10 workers of iniquity standing on the street corner with a megaphone saying, follow our God, follow our ideas, follow, our, fo- follow, follow, follow these idols here. You voted, and I applaud you. Your political parties applaud you. But that's not enough. What are you going to do with what God has given you? Every four years, we hear the saying, vote or die. That's because that's what the enemy wants and expects you to do, that all you'll do is vote, and you'll go home about your business. Vote, voting and dying is about all the average person is going to do anyway. But God has not called us to an average life. He's not called us to the life like the world would live. Vote, yes. But also, proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Also, heal the sick. Also, call somebody to follow Christ. We vote, but the church, you and I, our work is not done in the voting booth. Our work continues. Our work began before the voting booth, and our work will end, it will continue and go on well beyond a voting booth. What has God asked you to do that you're not doing today? I believe that God has asked somebody, or he's asking us to do things. And we get caught up and we complain And we talk about our world and the things that's happening and the things that's going on, yet we're not doing what God has asked us to do. Now, let's talk about the individual things, because there's a mandate on the body. We should all spread the fame of Jesus. We should all heal sick. We should all preach the gospel. We should all call those to follow Christ. But what individually, what individually are you not doing that God has called you to do? I think that God has called some people to start businesses that would give him glory, but you're not doing it. He has somebody to write a book, but you ain't doing it. He has somebody to start some type of ministry, some type of paraministry that would connect with the church, but you're not doing it. Who is he asked to, or who is he calling into pastoral ministry, but you keep running? Who has he launched Who is he? He's asked to launch out of church, but you won't do it. Told you to go to school, you won't do it. And yet we cry and complain, and we want Christ to move, but we won't move. He sowed the seed in you to do, but we refuse to do. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says, Behold, somebody say behold. Come on, say it like you mean it. Behold. Behold. I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I've given you the authority. So not only do I ask you to come into these fields and work and do as I do, but I give you the authority now. I give you the authority that when you work, and these demonic spirits and assignments come up against you. I've given you the authority over them. Now I can trample over demonic spirits. I can trample over the. I, 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 I can over. I can. I can overcome the works of the enemy because I have been given the authority. The spirit is. The spirits are subject to us. Your vote is not your only voice and it's not your most powerful voice. Satan wants you to cast your vote and be silent while he ravages our communities. I cast my vote, I did my job. Satan over there beating up your family, killing your family, disease, ravaging your family. Well, I just voted, I I did my civil duty. This morning I echo the words in Isaiah chapter 52. Verse 1 through 2, it says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Can we make it personal? Awake. Awake, put on your strength, oh first assembly. Put on your beautiful garments. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Loose yourself and pick back up your mantle in this community. Can I tell you, when I got here, I did not know the history of this place and its effect and what it had done in the life of our community. The churches that have been launched out of this place. We have the, the, the church infrastructure that we have in Lafayette because of this place. The churches that have been launched, pastors who've been launched, comes from the spirit of this house. There's a mantle here. God has placed a mantle, and what we've done in the past has been great, but God is calling us to greater. He's not called First Assembly to be the First Assembly of 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. There's a mantle on this house to do what God has called that is greater than we've ever done. There's churches to be launched out of here, there's, there's healing ministries to be launched out of here. There, we got it in the, in the living room. Expect miracles. Expect miracles. There's a mantle on this house, and God is wanting to do more than we've ever done. God always does more, and we thank God for uh, our founding fathers and those who have kept passing the baton over and over again, and now Pastor Joe and Shannon, they have the baton now, and they're running, and it's important that we run with our pastors, and we run with the direction and the vision that God has given our pastors. We shall see our community healed. We shall see our city healed. We shall oppose every work of the enemy in our community. We shall not let lay by and allow our community to be ravaged by what the world is doing, but we shall fight. Shall Lafayette, shall Youngsville be a remnant of believers that pushes back the plans of the enemy while we watch everything around us drown, we shall push back. We shall push back the plans of the enemy. We will not, we will not be silent. We shall not be silent in the face of our enemy. But we will cry out all the more to see God move, to see God save our family, to see God heal our community, and see the people Run back to Jesus Christ. That's our heritage. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse number 36 When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus' compassion is compelling. Why? Because everyone saw the crowds. The disciples saw the crowds. The Pharisees saw the crowds. The crowds saw themselves. But Jesus saw the crowds with the eyes of a shepherd. He was there as a caretaker, as a redeemer, as a restorer. So when he looked at the crowds, he didn't just see them. He saw something in them. He did not just see them. He saw that they were harassed, harassed by the world, harassed by Satan, uh, 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 harassed by each other. He saw the helplessness there. He saw the inner and outer desperation, all the ugliness that came with it. And his heart was moved com- to com- uh, with compassion. We have to self-evaluate because we've had some opportunity, a lot of opportunity in 2020 for our hearts to be moved with compassion. Has your heart been moved with compassion when you saw the looting, when you saw the, the cities burning, when you saw uh, 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 those things that was taking place on TV? Was you moved with compassion? Or were you moved with anger? Or were you were, I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm I'm angry. I'm upset. Were you how were you? I can can I'll be honest. I did not pass that test. Okay, we got some honesty over here. We were angry, fed up, ticked off. Some wanted revenge, someone to fight back. We didn't see with the eyes of Jesus. We didn't see uh, these different groups that were going on. We didn't see them with eyes of compassion. We didn't see them like sheep without a shepherd. We We saw enemies to our way of life. And I'm calling us back to see as our Savior sees, with a heart moved with compassion. All around us are crowds of harassed and helpless people. It didn't start in 2020. People been harassed and helpless and ravaged by the enemy. What does this harassed and helpless state look like? It could be those exhausted in our medical professions, fear in our senior adult population, frustration, In our education system, maybe it's disappointment. You know, early in in the early going, people couldn't graduate from high school. They couldn't go to, there wasn't graduations. There weren't, we were blessed to to be able to celebrate uh, Elaney and Ross last night. I mean last night, Friday night. But there were people who couldn't get married. Despair in business owners who lost everything within a month. Anger from those who think that another person didn't, Y'all not quarantining, y'all not doing what y'all supposed to be doing. Anger at our government, social media warriors posting explosive things that change nobody's minds, loneliness and isolation. We saw the crowd. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. Here's this the most amazing thing about this verse of scripture concerning the crowd is that rarely, rarely does a crowd ever appear worthy of compassion. A crowd never appears worthy of our compassion. They appear frustrating, pushy, angry, desperate, but through the eyes of Jesus they're helpless. And Jesus doesn't want to just save our souls. He wants to give us his eyes. He wants us to see what he sees when we look at the crowds around us. We got opportunity, people. We got an opportunity to see how Jesus sees. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word helpless in this passage literally means to be cast down, to be thrown down, to be dejected. So how do we see the crowds? Do we see it as red or blue? left or right, Republican or Democrat, or sheep without a shepherd. If you consider yourself Christian, you see the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Just a few numbers as we think about the workers are few. 80% of the church's financial resources are provided by 20% of its members. 15% of a church, church's members are active leaders in 85% of the church's ministries. Average church attendances is usually about 40% of a membership. 65% of Americans claim religious affiliation, but only 85% of the population is unchurched, and some who are referred to as de which is once active but grew delusion, or burned out. The point of these numbers is that the harvest is plentiful. And what are we going to do about it? The language of harvest in this passage indicates that something long ago was prepared and has come to fruition. And all throughout the history of Israel, something has been planted, something has been watered, something has left its original seed form and grown, and now it's ready to be bought, brought, I'm sorry, brought into the barns. There's an urgency in the language of Jesus, an urgency that the disciples would have picked up on, because growing a crop is a long and slow process requiring patience. But when the moment comes, it cannot be denied. And a missed harvest will spoil. Its fruit will rot and its plant will go to seed. And a harvest that is not brought in exactly at the right time will fail to fulfill its purpose and waste all the efforts and resources that went into producing it. Can we not, can we make a decision today? Because I got kids, and I know everybody. most of us in here, unless you're young, you got kids. We cannot afford to let this harvest go to waste and leave it to our children to do what God has called us to do today. I will not leave for my two children my assignments, the things that God has asked me to do. The, God, the things that God has told me to do, has assigned me to do in my short life. I will not leave it to my two children to carry my burdens. But I will finish the race and do what God has called me to do. So when it's their time to run and I pass them the, 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 uh, the baton, they can run in all freedom knowing that their father God and their earthly father, we left the path. We left the path for them to run. And they can run in freedom. They can run in liberty. Why? Because we did our job. We did our job. How many times? And you experienced it? We all experienced it. When our parents, and maybe your parents are not safe, who knows, if your parents didn't do what they were supposed to do. And you, find, you think the demons that you fight just showed up and decided to start fighting you? Many times, the parents did not do what they were supposed to do with that spirit. And it not only fight the parent, it's fighting the child now. And I refuse as a father. I refuse to let my babies fight my fight. We're going to fight our fight that the Lord has placed before us. We're going to be victorious in Jesus' name. We're going to see the harvest taken up. We're gonna see the next harvest come, and then our children can reap that harvest. They ain't gotta reap this harvest and that one, but they can reap the harvest that God has placed before them. This harvest is abundant, it's bigger than expected, it's more than any work it can bring in on its own. That's why Jesus invited us into the harvest. We see his example, we see his ministry. He's in the harvest fields. He's working. He's laboring. He's healing the sick. He's calling people into the kingdom. He's proclaiming the good news that has come. And he's invited us into these same fields. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Why? Because we don't want to go. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Isaiah chapter six, verse number eight says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Is not our Father in heaven still echoing those words? They say, who will go for us? So it's the conversation between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're having a conversation, and they're looking down and saying, who will go for us? And they still echo that conversation. Nothing has changed. Isaiah says, send me. I'll go. Who says, send me? I'll go. Send me, Lord. I'll go. I won't delay. I won't put off. I won't keep, keep, keep uh, playing in my sin. I won't keep allowing the enemy to tell me I'm defeated, but I'll get up and I'll go and I'll do what you've called me to do, God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying, who shall go for us? Who shall go? That was Old Testament. We get in the book of Matthew and it says go. There's nothing restricting us. We're free. Let me give you a secret. Because the, the news will tell you all kind of stuff, right? Just a little secret. Black people ain't slaves no more. Don't let people tell you Or oppress you When Jesus has freed you I thank God for uh, All the work that has been done Emancipation, proclamation All those things We need those things But can I tell you who freed me before that? Jesus Christ Freed me A paper didn't free me Jesus Freed me he came that I may have life and have it more abundantly. So whether if I'm a slave or if I'm free, I have freedom in Jesus Christ. That nothing shall keep me bound. Nothing shall keep me locked. I can be in prison. We saw Paul, Paul the apostle Paul, locked up in prison, yet he was free. Who can free you but the blood of Jesus? We are free. There is nothing restricting us. We can do as God has called us to do. Don't let the media lie to you and make you think that people are oppressed and they're not making, they can't do anything. I refuse to bow to the words of man, the words of Baal, who the Lord, who the Son has set free is what? He's free indeed. He's free indeed. Free indeed. They're not going to like me for that. But y'all love me. Can I say that? I think we're talking about that in chapel, Pastor Joe. That uh, we're not here. Uh, contrary to popular belief, the church is not here to please the world. We're not here to come in agreement with the world. Guess what? The world should hate you. And if it doesn't, you are believing the wrong gospel. The world should hate us. We don't need the world to like us. You can call us bigots. You can call us whatever you want, but we shall declare the word of the Lord. And if you don't like it, then you ain't got a problem with me. You got a problem with him because all we're doing is we're repeating what we see and what we hear. So if you, they don't like, guess what Jesus said? If they hated you, if they hate you, they hated me first. We shall continue to proclaim the name of the Lord and who don't like it, so what? call me what you want. They call Jesus worse. Do what you want to do with me. They did worse to Jesus. Send me, I'll go. Verse number 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. His first, notice this, the, his first solution, I'm going to try to wrap up. His first solution to this problem of an urgent and abundant harvest is not to go into the field and get the work. It's to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. The harvest belongs to God. So it's God who must take the initiative and commission the workers, giving them and now us the right to work in his fields. They needed the authority for this work, needed to be equipped to bring in this physical harvest. So Jesus commands us to pray the Lord of the harvest to do something. As in common in the Gospels, there's a subtext here. In Israel's idolatrous history, the worst of Yahweh's rivals was Baal. And interestingly enough, Baal's title was Lord of the harvest. But the Lord opposes his enemy, and he declares, I am the Lord of the harvest. He makes it clear that this is his harvest. He alone is Lord. He alone can do something about the need. Jesus is taking back in this moment all spiritual authority in this region. And once again, the story becomes about worship and loyalty. First pray. Why? Because the task at hand is not as important as recognizing the one who is Lord over it. Verse number 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's how chapter 9 of Matthew ends. Chapter 10 begins with this. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Chapter nine, he says, pray that I would send out. He said, pray to me that I would send out workers. Chapter nine, he's calling the workers. I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 10, he's now calling the workers. After inviting the disciples to pray that God will send out workers, Jesus then turns to his disciples. And then he asks them to answer their own prayer. And here we are right now as the people of God. God is asking us to see people with his eyes. Not just some people, but all people. To see that they are harassed and helpless. And he's inviting us to leave the crowd behind. Church, don't think of yourself as the crowd. You're not the crowd. You're not harassed, you're loved. You're not helpless. You're redeemed by Almighty God. And he's asking us all to see the crowd as a good shepherd would, with compassion. He invites us to pray that God would intervene. We pray that God would intervene. God, right now in the name of Jesus, intervene and send help, God. God, right now in the name of Jesus, send the laborers, God. God. The harvest is plentiful right now, God. Send the laborers. We continue to pray that, God. You and I are his plan. The need is here and the need is now. And whether it be economic depression, worldwide famine, or tyrannical governments, we know this. People will still be harassed and helpless. But Jesus is clear. He is always sending out his followers as an army of good shepherds to be caretakers and restorers in this world. So as you leave here today, let me encourage you. Get ready. Be ready. Pursue holiness. Pursue God's Word. Confess your sins to one another. Let's deal with our dysfunctions. Let's strategize and plan. Let's forgive those we are angry with. Let's continue to educate ourselves on what's happening around us. And let's turn off the media's rhetoric and on both sides. Let's turn off everything that leads us to anger and not compassion. So that we as workers will be found fit and ready to be sent out to God's harvest fields. Can you stand on your feet? I just want to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your harvest fields, God. You are the Lord. You are Lord you are Lord. You are Lord of the harvest. You are Lord of harvest. You are God. These are your fields, God. These are your fields. Just where you are, if you have a prayer language, can you just begin to pray in your prayer language right now? Hallelujah. Lord, we echo the same prayer that you asked the disciples to pray. Pray that I would send out laborers. God, we pray. We ask today, God, that you would send out laborers, God, into your fields, God. Hallelujah. And maybe you find yourself working in the field. God I'm asking that you give the tools to those already laboring, God. Give us the tools that are already laboring, God. The strength those who are laboring, give us give them strength, God. Give them courage and boldness. I pray for those who maybe were in the fields but needed a time to come out and get healing and get restored and allow you to breathe on them. I pray for our brothers and sisters, God, who find themselves healing right now. Lord, heal them. Heal them with great speed, God, for we need their labor, God. We need the worker, Lord, God. Love, love on them as as you need, God. Today, Father, I thank you that the harvest is plentiful. And I pray today, God, that you would send laborers. No, Lord, I pray specific that you would send us, that you would send us into those fields, God. That you would send us, God. Equip us, God, to do your work. Strengthen us. Breathe a fresh breath of life in us, Lord God. Those who have been laboring for years, breathe a fresh breath that they would not grow weary in well-doing, God. But Lord God, they would run harder all the more, God. Father, I thank you today, God. I thank you for the laborers, Lord God. Do what you have to do, God. Maybe today you find yourself, you're not in the fields. Maybe today you don't even know the shepherd. Today I want, as a body, can we just pray together a prayer of salvation? Can We pray it together and stand with those maybe who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can we just, can we pray, can you just repeat after me, Lord, today, Forgive me of my sin, Lord, for it has separated me from you. Today I repent and I turn to you, God, as my Lord and Savior. Heal my life, redeem me, God, restore me, God, and I will serve you, God, in your fields every day of my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord that person that may have prayed that prayer for the first time God, heal them, restore them Lord God as they come to you God Father I thank you for your people today God I thank you for your holy word God, that you're not done with us that this is only the beginning and so today God may we run and we run ferociously Lord until we get to the finish line Bless your people today, bless this church. And may someone who wasn't running will begin running. May someone who set out the harvest will get in the harvest and labor. I thank you today, God, and when we leave this house, may we take upon the assignment, knowing that the harvest is plentiful and you are sending us as laborers into it today, Father. This I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody with a loud voice said, amen, amen. Can we give God some praise? Come on, can we give God some real praise? Come on. Before you leave, we're gonna sing this song together before you leave. But I wanna give you an opportunity. No matter where you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, we just wanna pray for you. Maybe that's you, maybe you haven't been in the fields laboring, maybe you've been fighting God, maybe you've been resisting the plan of God over your life and you don't see yourself in the field. This morning I want to pray for you. Myself or Pastor Joe and Jim, they want to pray. We want to pray for you this morning. That whatever God needs to do to activate you and get you into the harvest field, that you would come. A few people can't do it. But as a church, what can we not do? What can we not do? So if you need prayer, like prayer for us to come in agreement for God to use you, do whatever He wants to do in your life, come see us. Let us pray for you today. Amen. Let's sing this song and know that we love you. May God's blessings trace you, chase you down, and may you walk in victory as the conqueror you are this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen.